Hello and welcome to The Midspace. I'm your host, Hope Eaton, a psychologist and explorer and navigator of the stories and spaces between who we no longer are and who we want to become, and between each other. On this podcast, I'll be talking to experts and people just like you who are navigating change in their lives, relationships, and work, all with one goal, that in sharing our stories of and tools to navigate the midspace, we uplift and support each other together as we make our own journeys to the other side and connect more meaningfully with each other. Welcome to this episode of the Midspace Podcast, where I'm speaking to Cass McCrory, host of the Real Women in Business Podcast, owner of Capra Strategy, where she provides B2B strategic marketing and social influence and selling training, mother, granddaughter, friend, lover of learning, nurturer, and adventurer, We discuss how Cass has taken the lead in redefining what her life and values look like during the pandemic so that they align with how she feels rather than how they were defined for her, how she works her way through the mid-space, and the huge impact taking a left turn has had on her perspective. Tell me a little bit about Cass McCrory. Ooh, I am an adventurer somebody that loves learning and I look at every experience as an opportunity to nurture and be nurtured and I take that with me and my work I own a business I serve business to business executives as they are navigating how they can show up in their own values and authenticity both in their work and online. And I'm a wife, a mom, a friend, a daughter, a granddaughter. I am the primary cook in this house. And um, I love photography and creating. Yeah, that's who I am. That's who you are. And how is adventure showing up for you now? Oh, it's such a good question. I regularly will look at Expedia, the travel site, to (laughs) have just a daydream of adventure. But I've recognized that how I define adventure has gotten so much more creative in 2020. Because adventure is no longer like a travel trip you know, there isn't something grand about it. Right. Adventure is, I'm going to try to recreate a dish that we had at a restaurant seven years ago that I still remember. And that's adventure. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. So in this space where we're not able to travel, you're redefining adventure. Yes. It is constantly in a place of redefinition. So what story used to be true for you about adventure? Adventure was traveling. It was three or more days. It was exclusively for me. It wasn't like, oh, I'm at a bookended day in Seattle after a business trip. No, that was an adventure. Adventure was six days in the mountains at a cabin you know, like that was adventure. My definition of adventure has become so much broader. 
And I love that because it, it, the story that I had was so rigid and it was more about what other people defined adventure as and how oh. I'd had adventure modeled for me than it was how I felt. So tell me how it had been modeled for you, what you used to believe was true about adventure, because this sounds huge for you to reframe this, to redefine it, it was, for yourself. Yeah, because I had, I had identified so clearly that adventure was core to my happiness. And when the way that I had defined it, which was defined based on Sunset Magazine, the, the Pacific <gasps> Coast Magazine, which is like such a guilty pleasure oh, to, yeah. be in, to be in, you know, Western New York amidst snow flurries on the daily and to read Sunset Magazine where they're extolling the virtues of cacti in your landscape. Like, oh, and so like I had very grand ideas of what adventure were. And then it just, it needed to be brought down to the root. Like I needed to get closer and closer to what it meant to get it, to, to define it in a broader way. Why was that important to you to redefine that for yourself? Because realistically, I could not see a path where I would find any fulfillment of that value with my old definition. So what became possible for you when you change that new definition? I was invited to find adventure all of the time. So in addition to cooking recipes from what are some of your other adventures now? There is a field right near our house that we can walk to that is dog friendly, off the leash, fun, and we'll go for a walk and it will be messy and a little muddy and the seasons change. Our experience of it is completely different every single time. You know, it's strange. We had gotten into a habit, the kids and I of going up to the field with our two dogs. And as you go up the path, it's a loop. Okay. So you can either take the right or the left. And we had always just gone right. I don't know why. We had just always gone right first. And then we looped around. And one day I was like, let's go left. And it was such a small thing. But my perspective, the kids' perspective on the landscape, on the walk, on the difficulty of it, because it was more challenging to go left than it was to go right because of the slope of the hill and all of these things. There was so much there for me to experience and just a left or a right. Oh my goodness. That is such a great nugget in there about a simple detour, detour, completely changing your perspective in the same place. So you took the lead in going, we're going left. Yes. And you know, what's interesting. You said that, you know, who took the lead? I identified at the beginning of our quarantine season that if I didn't take the lead on how this went for me, 
I would be pulled around. And I didn't like that idea. No. So as every little ounce of adventure presented itself, as there was a moment of learning, I said, yes, I've got to do that. I leaned into that. So you leaned into that. Yeah. Oh, that's so rich. That's so rich in this time, this taking the lead for yourself because you knew that was what was going to serve you. And it sounds like serve the other people in your household, your four little people and your dogs and your husband. Yeah. I really do believe that when we can show up as our best, it is the best for everyone. Absolutely. And so to force myself into a place of suffer was just going to bring them in on that journey of suffering too. Yeah, I can feel I didn't want to do that. No, these are people you love. Yes. So that realization, was that something new for you, Cass? Or because of your nurturing being so important to you, was that something you're aware of? I don't know that it was new, but in other points where I had had to make a decision of great intentionality, knowing that I was going against a tide, those things were really my choice. Like it was not my choice at all in this instance. No. (laughs) You know, but like leaving a job or getting a divorce or making other really disruptive changes, those had all felt like I picked those things. So whatever the consequences and fallout from them, like it was still on me. This is one of those things where like, I didn't pick this. I didn't get to control this. I didn't, I'm not opting into this. And yet here we are. And as we are here now, what's true about you that you might not have believed was true about you prior to COVID and lockdown and having to navigate a new way of working with children at home? I think I have always known myself to be resilient and strong. I, as we're talking about this, I think that I probably thought of those things as more true when it was me against the world. And so to be resilient and strong in a partnership with my husband has been different and learning because it's, it is, it's partnership in that. And that's true. And that's true. And so I can still be resilient and strong and a partner and not the only person in the driver's seat, not the only person in control. Tell me about the journey to pass the keys over so that somebody else can be in the driver's seat. How's your story changed, Cass? I 
like to think that I know best. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) And I've had to recognize that that is not always true. That is tricky territory. It is tricky territory. I've had to say I was wrong. I am sorry. What has that done for your relationship with yourself? Ooh. I mean, to my friend Hope, I'm going to say, God forbid anything should ever happen to George. I will never, ever, ever be in another relationship because that sucks. I hate saying I'm wrong. I'm sorry. (laughs) And like, I will do anything. Like, I am willing to do this for this man right now in this life. But boy, I don't like it. It doesn't make me bad. Could you say that again? Yeah. Being wrong and being apologetic does not make me bad. And it doesn't make somebody else better than me. It doesn't take away from my worthiness of love and grace. That's big. Yeah. I could feel that. Not always easy to access that because frequently when I am wrong or I've made a bad call, I want to make myself bad. I want there to be an element of fair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could share one piece of wisdom with those listening about navigating that mid space between what you used to believe about yourself and what you do now, maybe about what you used to believe about adventure and what you believe about venture now, what you believed about being in control and being in right and releasing control and admitting when you're wrong, what would it be? Spend the time to be with your thoughts, write them down, hold the space for them to ask them if they're true. Could you walk me through how you do that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll just, Write, especially, it is always easier for me to write when things are not good. It is always, it's like my process is to figure it out. And so in writing it out, I can, I can get it all out on paper. When I put it all out onto a sheet of paper, I find that there's like two sticky elements. It's not as big and hairy as I thought. It's just two particular thoughts keep on running around and around and around in my brain. And they're like chasing each other. Okay. Making it feel much worse than it is. And, you know, one of those things is I haven't done enough. You haven't done enough. And I don't have enough time. Right. Those two thoughts 
tend to be at the root of all mid-space agita. And if I look at those thoughts and I look at them on a piece of paper, I can say, is it, is it true that I haven't done enough? Is that true? And I could say, I've done quite a bit. You know, I've done more than I would ask somebody else to do. And is it true that I don't have enough time? And usually I find that that is also not true, that there is plenty of time. And by just putting them down to say, oh, this is it. And then interrogating it a little bit to say, is that true? Is this worth feeling so spun up about in this middle? It's usually not. I could feel the ease coming through you from that. Yeah, it's usually not. It's but usually you, have not. To, you have to be willing to stop the race in your head to pin it down on a piece of paper to do that because it's not a thought exercise. It's not something that you can just work through on a walk or while you're making dinner. You have to do something about it. Yeah. And move that through. Yes. In my experience. Yes. So that feeling of agita the spinning, is that what lets you know that you're in a mid-space? For me, yes. But you found a way to lead yourself out of it using this yes. tool, these tools. Oh, thank you. Thanks for all you your wisdom. You taught me many of those tools. Well, you know, we've taught each other a lot, Cass. So are you ready for the speed round? Oh, always. Okay. First is a sentence completion. Being in the mid space feels like crap. crap. <laughs> <laughs> what I think when I think about the mid space at first is discomfort. But then I recognize that the discomfort and the the agita, the negative of that feeling is really just not having great awareness that I'm in the mid-space and that when I get that awareness, my feeling shifts completely to one of anticipation and potential. It is in the not recognition that it feels bad. So it's complicated. What is the one thing you feel is most important for people who have never met you to know about you when they first meet you? I want to love you. Do you go into meeting everyone with your heart open? I do. I try. Love it. If there was one thing that those that do know you and love you could know about you that they don't know, what might that be? I need the reassurance. You need the reassurance. What does that reassurance look like for you? Witness, acknowledgement, credit, accolade. If there was one thing somebody could say that you would let you know. I see how hard you're working. I see how hard you're working. How brilliant would it be if we all heard that? Yeah, like, wow, good job. Good job. 
We all need a good job. Yeah. Good job, Cass. I see how in hard kindergarten, in kindergarten, I had a brilliant teacher and she would have these smelly markers. Do you remember the smelly markers? Oh, yes. Grape was always my favorite. The purple mm-hmm. one. Yep. Purple, orange, yeah. red. And so we would have these workbook pages on shiny paper and she would come around and she'd do a star or she'd do oh. a smiley face if you did the worksheet correctly or well or yes. whatever. And before the marker was even dry on the page, I had rubbed it all over my nose, (laughs) trying to smell it. And I think that marker on my nose is probably the, the most vulnerable expression of my need to be seen. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I don't know why I wanted to talk about that, but here we are. You'll have to get your children to color your nose. I'm sure they would be very willing to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your go-to book, song, movie, poem to go to when you feel that you're in that place between no longer and not yet? You've Got Mail is the <gasps> movie. You've Got Mail. Icy Girl. By Sweetie is the song. A book that I go that I've gone back to frequently in the last year is Radical Compassion by Tara Brock. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Those well, are those are the biggest resources that I look to and like just places that help lift me up. Well, I will put links to those in the notes for this episode. I'm so happy you're doing this. I can't wait to listen to all of the episodes, Hope. Oh, thank you. I have one more question for you. If you could be or do anything you wanted, what would it be? I'm doing it. You're doing it. I'm doing it. If I have a desire, a want, it's my job to bring it into life. And lead your life. Yes. Oh, Cass. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. I had fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Midspace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share it, subscribe to it, and or leave a review. Next week, I'll be talking to Becca McLeish, cognitive hypnotherapist and coach about how she has redefined midlife on her terms and helps other women to do the same. You won't want to miss it.